0: hashtag never alone with joe and mark
1: hi everyone and welcome to hashtag alone episode 13 um i'm your host joe ambridge and i'm co-host mark fielding and psychotherapist and relationship counselor um, today's episode is a bit different we don't have a mental health disorder topic but we do have a special guest um and his a snippet of who it is
0: Midnight.
2: With the greatest unsigned give me a with the Midnight Beast. And I'm Drew from the Midnight Beast. I'm the oldest in the Midnight Beast, so I'm the main one in the Midnight Beast. I'm Drew from the White You haven't heard about my childhood lately. I had a room with a lovely view. I traded my skateboard for some ballet shoes. Have you never had i a... I'm sitting on my ass playing Xbox games. Then I hear a voice and it's calling out my name. I'm... And of course, yeah, our
1: special guest is Drew from the Midnight Beast. Thank you for joining us, Drew. Hey,
2: no problem, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Um and Drew is here to talk to us about uh mental health and also like as he's in a band, we talk about music and the effects that touring have on mental health. Um and obviously the expectations that people have of being a celebrity and a musician. Um, Yeah, so Drew, just give us a little background, who you are and who the Midnight Beast are.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, my name is is Drew Wakeley. Uh, I am one third of a comedy trio um, group called Midnight Beast. Um, And we basically have miraculously had a 10 year bus career off the back of a, a very silly parody from Kesha's TikTok um we were very fortunate that video went viral and yeah we've kind of been very fortunate to do a lot of touring and we've even made a tv show uh, and even written a very stupid book um so yeah it's been it's been a fun ride awesome
1: um yeah so as a musician one of the first questions I wanted to ask what's oh, actually sorry i will start by asking um what's your mental health journey been like
2: my mental health journey has been uh it's been I guess I don't know the right word to say I guess I've for a long long time I think I've been quite fortunate I've always been kind of I guess let's say in control of my sort of mental health I've always kind of been able to read my emotions and know kind of you know when I'm happy when I'm sad when I'm angry and I've I've been able to kind of switch those off kind of like at the appropriate times. I don't think I've ever really suffered from it. Um, not to kind of like jump off of music straight off the bat, but I think in more recent years, um, so last year I lost my mother-in-law to, to cancer. Um, and that was the first time I think my mental health has ever really been, been sort of shaken. Um, and just kind of, you know, obviously feeling a loss and a sadness that I've just sort of never, never kind of felt before, never experienced. Um, because my experience with death and stuff in the past has kind of really just been with with, with elderly, so like with grandparents and things like that. So it's kind of obviously a bit more expected. Um, and you know, for it being my mother-in-law, obviously watching my wife go through just agony, um, obviously that kind of had a knock-on effect on myself. And at the time, um, we were we were pregnant when we found out that her, her mother had cancer. So obviously that had like a, a kind of huge impact. Um, on us so yeah I think that was the the first real time um it was ever kind of questioned um like I said I don't don't think I've kind of suffered from it I've never seeked out any kind of professional help or counselling um I've always obviously turned to my wife and turned to friends and stuff to to talk about it and things like that but yeah I think even through the throughout the band I've never again fortunately I've never kind of had too much of a wobble I think obviously there's there's moments you know there's such highs and such lows that we've been fortunate to experience i think there's times where if i didn't have such a good close-knit kind of friendship with with stefan Asher, who i'm in the band with uh, or even just good friends around me i think some something perhaps drastic could have happened maybe if i didn't have the right people around me but yeah I've, I've, as i said i've been quite fortunate
0: yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so important, you know, I guess, especially for men, isn't it, to have like a really good support group? Were you able to lean on them a bit, Drew? When, you know, it's a, such a major life event, isn't it? Losing, you know, your wife, losing your mum to cancer when you losing your mother-in-law. I mean, were you able to lean on the other members of the band? Because I guess you needed support.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like everyone, everyone just really kind of kind of rallies around. And yeah, I've got such an amazing friendship um, with Stefan and Ashley from the Midnight Beast. <coughs> um Stefan probably just a little bit more so because I think we've we go back a bit further as do Stefan actually went to school together so but both of them were incredible they're really supportive um and it's such a weird sort of time I mean obviously people process and deal with things so differently I think yeah. um obviously it was during the pandemic so we, we couldn't exactly kind of meet up and go for a drink or you know even have a coffee or whatever it might be just kind of being each other's company but knowing that they were at the end of the phone was wicked and and even uh For both my wife and me, uh, our, our kind of extended friendships outside of the band as well. Uh, one of my best friends is like a brother to me. Has has was always kind of been there, and we've helped each other on the road with other things. And um yeah, like when because she she was diagnosed before lockdown. So when I kind of told um my other best friend, he like just came around straight away and like hugged it out and was a shoulder to cry and So yeah, it was yeah, it was amazing. And as she said, I think it's so important for for men i think obviously it's got so much it's got so much better and easier and obviously it shows that incredible because i think it gets people talking but i think that sometimes we hold that kind of i don't know if it's like the testosterone or whatever but with, yeah. with some more reluctant to let loose and have cry. but um no man I'm, I'm pretty open about that stuff and you know yeah
0: Yeah, it's so good. I mean, back in my, you know, I mean, back in my day, men, and I think this is also probably true a little bit now, you know, I mean, men are told to like suck it up and, you know, you just like deal with it yourself and, you know, and all those messages are just totally unhelpful, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, male, female, we we need the support, don't we? You know, and and, and like you say, like more men are opening up and talking about mental health, which I think is fantastic, really. Mm. It's really kind of, it's really snowballing now, isn't it? Which I think is really good.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Can I just, what was it, I mean, what was it like having, being pregnant and also having to go through, you know, your mother-in-law having cancer? I mean, those two things must have been, I don't know, really difficult at the same time.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, it was, it's a real, it was and it still is, like it's a real kind of rollercoaster of emotions because obviously our first child, um and you know, we're on obviously like a massive high. Like you obviously kind of get this news and it's like incredible and you want to share it with everyone. Unfortunately, we were able to share the news with her. Um, she never got to meet her, unfortunately, but you know, she knew that we were pregnant and uh you know, the way the way we told her was we we went she lived in Kent and we were in London at the time. Um so we kind of drove down and stood at the window with like love actually style cards and and kind of I know, and it was a very good moment. But yeah, obviously. Yeah, all of those kind of beautiful moments are are tainted you know there is a kind of sour taste at the end and and we live through that now I mean my, my daughter's coming up to eight months and obviously it never it never goes away obviously it gets easier with time but um yeah I think that's the best way to explain it and probably a thousand times worse for my wife just because it, obviously it's her mum but yeah. um yeah just a real like high of sort of like oh my god we're having a baby like you know planning stuff talking about names or you know all sorts and and then, yeah, as I said, you're kind of left with, the, with a sour taste because at the time we just, you know, I think that with, with situations like that, they tend to stay clear of prognosis now and, like you know, they don't like to give kind of like guidelines on, on life, on life expected. Yeah. So we didn't really know, but obviously, yeah, it's kind of that thing where in the back of your mind, you don't say it to each other, but you're kind of thinking like, you know, I hope she's here for it and, and sadly she's not. So, yeah, it was a, yeah, a, a yeah. Roller coaster
1: covid's definitely made things a lot worse i know a lot of people that have not been i've lost grandparents and not been able to see them because of covid and yeah like my my nan's quite old at the moment and i'm halfway across the world from her and i can't even go back to the country i've not seen my family for two years um so she goes that's going to be a big loss and not be able to say goodbye to it's hard so i definitely know what you mean about losing people especially during covid because it's yeah people from saying goodbye to their family members
2: yeah yeah i i actually lost it wasn't covid related um but i lost a, a grandparent during covid times and we, we sort of did a very i mean it was a beautiful like little goodbye and and, and um funeral but um yeah it was a weird experience something like only like seven or eight of us or whatever it was you know allowed and really spaced out it was um we were fortunate that we could get together to do it. But yeah, as you said, like, I mean, COVID's just been a horrible uh, and still is horrible for, for so many people. But yeah, situation like that doesn't make it any easier, does it? It's um, hard.
0: Yeah, and then similar for me, over the over the pandemic and not COVID related, like I lost a really, really close friend. And yeah, normally you'd have the funeral and you'd all be able to get together, you know, like we're part of a big friendship group. But I guess we, you know, we all denied that. You know, you yeah. den- deny- denied seeing each other. It, I mean, it just makes really difficult situations, you know, all the worse, doesn't it, really? You know, and we try and manage as best we can, but yeah, it, it just makes it incredibly difficult, I think, doesn't
2: it? Interesting as well. Like, I mean, I know, like, you know as we're saying, like, so many people suffered throughout it, but in a way, everything that my wife and I ex- experienced, I guess, on that personal level, kind of in a w- weird sort of way, that's probably odd, but couldn't have happened at a better time. I think because we were in lockdown, we were just in each other's company 24 seven. And uh, to some people's uh, horror, my wife and I never argued, like we're just a couple that are quite open and honest, we're best of friends, so we don't argue. So we weren't at each other's throats at at any point. Um, And obviously kind of going through the cancer and going for our pregnancy, we were just at home together. So we could just live through every kind of emotion and every thought process and spoke about stuff. And I think that kind of, I think it helped massively. Mm. I think if we were, out and the world was opening up obviously it would have been cool and amazing to to go out and see other people and to talk to people but yeah just the fact that we could be together and be a couple in a unit I think kind of helped massively.
1: It has strengthened some relationships I thought obviously some relationships have suffered because of it and um, obviously like we've had so many lockdowns over here in Australia and it's from mm. my relationship with my partner. We we actually get on better than we did before before I hope she doesn't mind me saying that it definitely like it brings you makes you more of a unit of family and couples and stuff. Like it's been hard hard with COVID. Like I can't see my nephew who's only three years old, and obviously he doesn't understand what's going on in the world. Uh, he um, just thinks that we can't see us because we're sick or because he doesn't obviously know. Um, yeah it's like so difficult not be able to see people but it yeah. has strengthened people that you, it strengthens your relationships with people that you live with yeah. I think
2: it's kind of helped to sort of like I think it, it's helped us reach out to people as well I think even just sending the odd text there I don't think we would we would take that probably a bit more for granted if if COVID hadn't happened I mean obviously I wouldn't wish it on anyone it's, it's horrible that we're still going through it but I think, you know, there were so many like, quizzes popping up, like a really good friend of mine set up an online quiz and it's it's incredible. I think he's still doing it. And um, yeah, I think just kind of dropping people messages to just be like, hey, you know, I think I think that helped massive, really good kind of camaraderie that a lot of people were doing sometimes in your phone. But it might be someone that you don't necessarily go out and have a drink with or you'd go out for a meal with. But I, I've personally found myself, you know, texting more people to just be like, hey, what's up, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, do you know um, that was my experience um, as
0: well? Like during, you know, during lockdown, I was having Zoom calls with people with with guys I'd not spoken to for years. Yeah, you know, right. it's really strange, isn't it? Like, you know, it's a time of disconnection, but actually, I I reconnected with people I, you know, I I don't know. Sometimes friendships do go that way, don't they? You know, but I was yeah doing Zoom calls with people I'd literally had not spoken to for years. So, I guess there are some positives, really, and we stayed in touch, so which is good. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, we could uh, like obviously. Um, being a musician, uh, if you don't mind, like we're moving on to some music questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kind of, obviously, as a band, you guys tour a lot. Um, does touring have an impact on your mental health?
2: Um, I think that certainly can play a part in it. Again, for myself, I don't think I've had a massive, massive impact. We always, we always talk about tour blues afterwards because obviously, you know, we've been very fortunate. I mean, you know, our, our tours have always been quite a few hundred people, which was, has been incredible. And, and you know, it, you get such a rush and such a buzz of excitement. So when that ends or when you kind of go back to the hotel or at the end of the tour, you're kind of like just raring, you know, you're on a high, you just want to sort of do it again. So I'd imagine on, on a much bigger scale, when you're doing like thousands and thousands of people or arenas, I could see why that, you know, why people might turn to party mode just to kind of keep that high going. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the same for Stephen Ash. Obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to speak on their behalf, but I think you know, just from going through the experience together, we've we've kind of all been on the same wavelength. And the minute the show is ended, you know, although we're naked and dripping with sweat, like I personally just want to go again because when we do our own kind of headline tour, I, usually the sh- the show is probably about an hour long, maybe a bit over. But it goes like that. Like it, it's like it feels like we've done four songs and it's been twenty minutes. So you're just on this high and want to kind of go again. Um, and sometimes it's not until we're sort of, as I said, like back in the hotel room, kind of like, oh, shit, like, you know, and excited for the next city and you kind of want to go again. But, um, yeah, so I don't, think, I don't think I've kind of had a massive, massive impact from it, but I've, I've definitely felt the kind of waves of, oh, I want to go again, you know, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Are there nerves before, Joe? Do, do you tend to get nervous if you're before a gig?
2: I do massively yeah and I I don't know if it's more nerves of things going wrong or if it's just the kind of um anticipation and the anxiety of knowing what's about to happen I mean again we've got such we're so fortunate we've got such an incredible fan base and and knowing that there's kids out there that kind of know our songs that are going to scream along kind of without being arrogant you kind of know what to expect so you know people are there to have a good time and to see you but there's still this kind of like anticipation of like you know what like we know it's sold out for example but in my head I'll still get a thought of like well what if there's only like 20 people there um so it's weird and I'll still you know Steph's even worse than me but I still have about three or four nervous weeks before we go on um (laughs) there's been times where like we've started DJ backing track for the songs sometimes most times we have like a little intro and like we'll be kind of backstage about to go on high five at each other and Steph's like I need to go for another week and Steph will just disappear is he make it back in time um he always yeah, there's definitely an element of kind of nerves and excitement
0: yeah, yeah i guess yeah, i guess what yeah i guess once you get out there and you see i mean it's interesting isn't it that, that even though you know that, like it's sold out and the whole you know wherever you're kind of performing is going to be filled your mind yeah. is still saying no no there's only going to be 20 people there yeah <laughs> i
2: think that kind of probably stems from how we came about i mean you know, uh, most people that know the Midnight Beast will know this story, but like it because we just genuinely dicked about, and we didn't have any plan to. You know, Steph and I grown up playing in bands and stuff like that, but for a project that means Steph and Ash were in together, it really did just fall about by accident. So I think, you know, even eight or nine, ten plus years on, you know, if we were to do a show next week, there's still that element of are those numbers online really going to translate to actually in front of us singing along because. We just didn't expect it and everything we've done we've never really expected so yeah for, for the live shows it's just an even bigger version of that it's sort of yeah she said we know it's sold out but are people really going to jump off of youtube and come and see it? Oh, unfortunately they have which is incredible so it's weird
1: Yeah, yes you're kind of you're kind of lucky unlike a lot of bands even if you change your music up or you do something different that your fans kind of still stick by you i don't know like as a fan myself whatever you guys have done I've always enjoyed the music was like some artists like if they change their genre or they change the type of music they'll lose a lot of fans
2: yeah 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 definitely i mean again maybe that's something if we paid a bit more attention to that might have not gone in our favor i mean we've always our rule was just always like our stuff either had to make each other laugh or we kind of made it to make our friends laugh and i guess without being cheesy like our fans sort of became part of that bubble became you know part of our friendship and um yeah you know when we because we've always passed these different genres of music and obviously there's always an element of, of rap stuff in there um but you know we've kind of we've done kind of popular tunes and rock tunes and yeah people are sort of stuck with it so yeah it could have could have kind of gone one or two ways i think but we're just i don't know very lucky it's just very weird <laughs> yeah um yeah
1: and on that note like obviously speaking of songs and stuff that you guys have like backlash from songs and changes of genres. You did uh, a song, like a sex education video um, <laughs> that got a lot of backlash from play, uh, the newspapers like Metro and right, uh, as you said, like the right stuff, not you said on when we previously recorded. Um, yeah. Shows like the right stuff gave you backlash. Did that kind of affect you guys as a band? Uh,
2: again, I think it could have done massively. I think it kind of definitely took us by surprise and we were a bit sort of taken aback. I think more because the Midnight that we've always been in control of our own kind of media. So, you know, from our YouTube channels to to all of our social media, like it's all run by us. Um, And any sort of press that we've been fortunate to get has either come sort of directly to us or, you know, we've worked with management you know, agents and things like that and sometimes it's come through them so it's always been quite controlled and this was the first thing that was blown out of proportion and out of our control so I think it definitely took us aback but also again I don't think speaking for myself I don't think it impacted us or myself too negatively I didn't overthink it because in a way it was a way I didn't really care I think I, I cared about people who didn't know the midnight beast getting the wrong idea because the whole point of that that song was the song called use your head and it was this charity that, that came to us and they they've done a focus group with kids and at the time our fan base was very much of that age bracket and they sort of said you know if we were to do this kind of sexual education uh, I think it was some sort of type of contraceptive and they said if we were to kind of do a video or a song with someone who would you kind of listen to who would you like to to hear it from and they said the Midnight Beast was thrown out and they just kind of approached us so we just thought yeah like you know we'll sort of do it and the whole point was and at the end of the at the end of the video it says you know don't trust the Midnight Beast of sex advice go to this charity I think they were called Lark it was like have a lark instead so it's like a little pun and uh yeah it just sort of blew up and then when it was on the right stuff so when you know when it was spoken about on a tv channel there was a part of it was just like people who don't know us and don't get us they're just going to write us off and we're going to get bad press and but luckily like our fan base just kind of came to the rescue and just you know i think they forced that channel to apologize uh, because also they were kind of taking the kids for idiots as well and that, i think that's the, one of the important things was you know they're not dumb like they know they know that we're a kind of tongue-in-cheek band and they just I said do you really think we're going to listen to that and actually act on it so they had to apologize but it 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 did make me kind of think as well that I think on a much bigger scale um I can't really think of an example but you know for some of these kind of celebrities particularly like reality show stars or or even just mega mega celebrities like pop stars you know if they do one sort of foot wrong and it's blown out of proportion I you know you can see why it has a massive impact on their mental health if they can't walk down the street or go to the shops without it being judged Um, yeah you can see why those people really crumble for sure
1: yeah definitely like we're gonna do an episode on media and mental health next series and and like just the impact like it has on people like the tiniest thing in the newspaper and i was making the point to someone earlier about i think i was talking to my partner about sheep and how (laughs) the me there's people that the sheep follow the media and they believe what they hear in the paper so they'll automatically think it's true. Mm. And the tiniest uh-huh. thing can push someone over the edge, people like Caroline Flack. Taylor yeah. uh, I watched a documentary on Taylor Swift and she had a lot of backlash and people saying horrible stuff just because of something yeah. someone in the media said. And yeah. it is ridiculous the impact that, like so media, social media have on people. And this whole like me and my partner watch Love Island and there's this whole be kind thing and the groups and stuff about Love Island because of what happened with Caroline Flack and a few of the other contestants Mm. and like the fact that we have to tell people to be kind kind of shows them the society we live in
2: yeah it blows my mind and it and it's kind of catch-22 because obviously on the one hand you don't want to be against those kind of messages because obviously It's true. Like obviously, we need to be kind to each other. We need to talk to each other. But like you said, the very fact that there has to be something implemented to tell human beings that is just absolutely obscene, mental. You know, it really blows my mind that like we have to be reminded to be nice to each other. Like, what the fuck is that? Do you know what I mean? It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and the the thing that you know, and the press are partly responsible. I mean, the press, you know, certainly the British press, they love to build people up and then just pull them down you know they did you know the press do that all the time don't they you know one minute they're building a celebrity up the next minute something comes out and all they're looking into their private life and then something comes up you know it's so damaging for people you know so i think the press have quite a bit of responsibility really of course there's social media as well i guess people it's really easy on twitter isn't it to sit there and start being really horrible you know if you're having you know if maybe if your life is not that happy so easy to start criticizing someone else it's just really really easy isn't it so I guess yeah. you know things like Twitter they can be a force for good or a force for the opposite, really
1: there's the one thing yeah. like it does have an impact on people like the artists and stuff with negative comments and there's one thing I like about what midnight Beasts do they obviously you guys have a series called The Monday Beast, and you've yeah. had a few episodes where you guys have laughed at your YouTube like mean comments and stuff about yourself and obviously there's not a lot of people not everyone can laugh at the comments, but you guys obviously can kind of obviously so it's a good way to show that it doesn't
2: bother you yeah i mean again you know you kind of take him one of two ways as well i think you know on the one hand you might we might be seen to kind of not encouraging it but you know we're shining a light on it and we're not exactly shutting it down but yeah i mean again i don't know it, it's, it kind of shows we're in a kind of good place and we're supportive to each other kind of mentally as well that we can just kind of like laugh at some of the more ridiculous kind of stuff because you know again for some people they can't do this, but you know, I'm I'm very much at the thing where if there's like a bad review or a bad YouTube comment or uh you know someone's just being a dickhead, like I'm quite fine. Uh, sometimes I can see a bit a bit red and I can get a bit angry, but I'm in a good place where I can turn it off. I can just shut off my phone or I can just close the laptop. For some people that really manifests and they can't do that, so I kind of appreciate that. But I think that was just probably our way of kind of being like, Well, we don't really care. And again, not that I think anyone should be doing that kind of stuff or open to kind of getting bullied or trolled or commented. But I think that is the problem with, we we share so much of our lives as like human beings now online and yeah, like, you know, want to hammer home, obviously I'm not encouraging any sort of bullying or type of thing like that. But when you throw literally everything online, people are going to pass judgment and people are going to comment. And I think we kind of got to learn to just, you know, I would love to encourage people to try and switch off from it like you don't need your phone 24 7 and you know it's the stuff with bad press as well like the minute people stop listening to that kind of stuff or switching it off they don't have an audience so there's no one there to read it and i i've kind of got such a love-hate thing with shows like love island and, and sort of you know I, I call them like you know z, z list of celebrities you know these kind of reality stars and like, funny enough, my wife and I were talking about this one dude called Stephen Bear. I don't know if you've
1: oh yeah. Caught him. about him.
2: He's he's recently just gone kind of completely viral for some obscene thing. But it's kind of like he's doing it because we're all watching it, and there's people yeah. talking about it, media re- responding to it. If everyone just switched off, he hasn't got a platform. So it's kind of I know it's easier said than done, but you know the minute you kind of cut something off like that, there's no there's no audience. So it's. I think we kind of need to have our own responsibilities with that stuff as well. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's a bit like people like Katie Hopkins and Jedward and stuff, because people comment on what they say. They yeah. get a response, and that's why they do it, because they're getting an audience.
2: Yeah, and, you know, that old saying of, like, any publicity is is good publicity. Well, for a lot of people, it is true. It rings true. I mean, we certainly saw some of the benefits from that, from that um, sex education video that kind of was negatively portrayed, you know, I certainly saw a spike of followers or people kind of Googling our names and things like that or commenting on our YouTube. So it does work. You know, it's gutting to say it does work because it gets your name out there. Of course, if you start seeing whether it's good or bad, a name thrown everywhere, most people are going to want to check that out to see what it is. Um, But it's when people capitalize on that. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of management companies and a lot of a lot of press companies, you know, these people that sit down and kind of uh, orchestrate all of that kind of stuff I've got a lot to answer for and you know I'm I'm the same again just not to kind of flip too back and forth but with the Love Island thing you know I'm guilty of it as well you know I'll sit there and watch it and it I really roll my eyes and it kind of like it irritates me that they're this again might sound a bit funny but they're so pro mental health but the whole show is so damaging to mental health like it's such a show that is it, you know, only shows one type of body, let's say, and one type of person, male or female. Uh, well, I guess trans, but I don't think they've had any trans people in there. Um, and, it, you know, I kind of feel like they've been backed into this corner where they have to be so pro-mental health. But actually, the entire show is casting doubt in those couples' minds. Like, there's all these little seeds of, you know, they go to that Villa Casa Ramor and, <coughs> excuse me, you know, it's constant seeds of doubt and it, uh, that is just driving a massive wedge into people's mental health so it's sort of a uh,
0: you can't have your yeah. cake and eat it yeah it and and the body you know time. like so they exactly like you say the, the body types on love island i mean people you know i mean everyone is perfect aren't they you know yeah. and, and i guess normal people look at that and think wow you know i don't look like that you know i mean just the way you know body types are portrayed you know let alone anything else i think is potentially damaging isn't it for people mm-hmm.
2: it's so bad and like and even when they come off. Up- shows you know they have they have you know I'm not against surgery if, if, if that kind of makes you happy then absolutely fine do your thing right but you know it's it's known that those those cosmetic companies like go to those contestants when they leave the show because you know and they offer them work for free and all it takes is like a shout out on social media but then what's damaging is all of those particularly young minds when they follow those people and they think that's the idea of perfect mm-hmm. every- emulate that but really that's not the average body form and like i said you know all up for people being happy because obviously you know we're talking about mental health and if someone's really unhappy with uh, something on their face or their body yeah fine if if that's going to make you happier and feel good about yourself you do what you got to do but again you got to take some responsibility with people seeing that and thinking that's the idea of perfect it's Mm. not
1: the same with magazines and tv shows as well like yeah. You look at these they, magazines, you've got attracted people on the front. big bad stuff. I have to admit, that I've been a lot, especially with like, even with man, like it sounds random, but mannequins and shops are different body shapes now, which has been really good. And um, speaking about Love Island, I saw something on social media because I follow some of the pages. Um, mm. Although I'm embarrassed to admit, <laughs> Love Island USA <laughs> have got people that are a bit more curvy on there. Okay. Yeah, so I think, obviously, UK and the... They have an Australian one as well, here, as well. I don't watch that one, but they should have more curvy people on it
0: and different body types. Yeah. Because people would still watch, wouldn't they? I mean, I'm thinking about... I know Big Brother's kind of stopped from years ago, but, you know, people, they're not going to lose their audience by showing real people. I mean, yeah. you know, if anything, maybe they get a better audience. You more know? relatable. massive, wasn't it, at the time?
2: i I always said to my wife, whenever love Island comes on I'm always like can you can you just imagine if like they had all of the all particularly male because I'm male, but like you know all of the guys they lined up, and then I just plotted out you know bit of a bit of a dad bod bald in I, in that lineup, I would not get picked, and that's not me trying to be self deprecating for a laugh like it's just it's just the fact, and like we often joke about that, I just think it would be so funny to just see like well, not even funny, but it would just be so cool to just see that one or two people and just see the reaction. It'd be, yeah. it'd be quite. A... Considering that they're for love as well, I, I think is quite
1: yeah. <laughs> Does make you look as well, especially people like that. You think I was saying this to Mark earlier. People like that, you wouldn't think they struggled to find someone because they yeah. got that perfect body type, and as yeah. much as it might make you think, why are they looking for love? It also might should make you think, oh, they're struggling to get love, then. I'm not the only one that's struggling to find someone.
2: Mm. But then there's also the 50K cash prize that they're.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, mind yeah. you, just the cash prize, but it's it's all the endorsements afterwards that's more lucrative, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like pretty little thing and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there are to shows. And, as a joke, it would be hilarious if someone like me and her could get on and pretend that we're not together and then get together and win the prize. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just want to ask you a few more questions about music. And obviously, you guys had a TV series, like on the topic TV series. You guys had a TV series. Were you worried about the backlash that you might get from that? Because it was something different and something you guys hadn't done before?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think the first time around, so we were fortunate to do do two series. And the, the first time around, I think we were just buzzing. We were just pure happy that you know someone was trusting us to kind of take what we did on our youtube channel and make a bigger scale of it um and we had an amazing crew and the and the channel were you know our contacts there were phenomenal and at the time we were represented by um two sisters who were who are agents um and they were phenomenal so we were really looked after and that, that i don't think again for me didn't really kind of play into our minds and I, when it was aired there was obviously a kind of element of oh i wonder how this will be perceived but again kind of felt like we were making it more for our fans so I think we kind of felt comfortable in the fact that you know so far so good you know our fans were enjoying everything that we were making you know most of the things we were making um so yeah it didn't really worry me too much and I think probably the second season was when although it's my preferred season I I think we kind of found our feet with it and it got better um I think that's probably when the 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 seeds of doubt started to get sown a little bit and again I didn't I didn't really suffer from anything and I didn't I didn't feel like my mental health actually like, took a toll but it took, like, took a toll on my mental health but I kind of went looking for reviews a bit more and you know naturally because you're kind of coming back you kind of not to quote Eminem but you've got to co- capture that magic in the same bottle and um yeah so I think it yeah it was certainly more of a more of a journey and I was kind of aware of people's perceptions of it and um, and also because you got that pressure from the channel as well. I mean, again, they were lovely. There was never any kind of difficult conversations, but, you know, they've obviously got targets that they want to hit and they want to make sure it's pulling in a good audience. And, you know, so, yeah, it, it, there was definitely more pressure there for sure.
1: Yeah. How come there wasn't it... a series three? <laughs> yeah. Go on, so How come there wasn't a third series?
2: How come there wasn't a third one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You'll have to ask Channel Four. Um, oh, I've no, got it. <laughs> uh, I think perhaps it's run its course for them. I think maybe, to being completely honest, I think they were hoping for better numbers. I think, I think the problem was one of, you know, I'm in no doubt that one of the reasons, the main reason we were offered a TV show was because our, at the time, our YouTube channel was was blowing up, and our fan base, and and because it, it was on E4, um, and E4's fan bases kind of mirrored each other, like it was quite young um and yeah I think it was just it made the perfect sense it was the perfect home for us um and the, yeah obviously we got a second season so the first one did quite well um I genuinely can't remember figures but I think they were just hoping that it would just go up up and up and I think unfortunately there was just a slight dip um and obviously like they've had shows like in between us and you know other huge successful shows so I think when you're up against shows like that you know you, you you've kind of got to pull in a similar if not the same audience and i, I think sadly they just felt like you know we've done two two shows and run it's run its course which is sad but it's fair enough
0: yeah yeah i've wanting to ask you ask you well, what was it what's it like really going from i guess not being known to you know being a celebrity? I, I mean that that's the journey, isn't it I mean what what, what 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 was that like for you? So you did the YouTube channel first and then it just snowballed and then all of a sudden you're doing gigs to you know massive places. I just wonder what it's quite a transition for someone that I think it is man.
2: Um, and you I mean you're very kind to to Don the turn celebrity I, I I've never sort of seen myself in that in that sort of way. Um, yeah it's it's weird for sure. um I think during the sort of height of our YouTube channel, when, when we crossed over to, to TV, um, you know, certainly got, you know, the, the notoriety was certainly different. And we had people coming up to us in the street, asking pictures and yeah, yeah. even, oh, you guys are from the telly um, or, or from YouTube. And yeah, the, it was funny. The, it was always quite predominantly young people when we were on our YouTube channel. And then the minute we hit TV, like it was kind of adults coming over and sort of saying, oh, you're, you know, you're from the telly. So it was definitely weird. I mean, I was, I was never in a position where I couldn't go to the shops, you know, I, I was, I've always been able to like jump on a tube or you know, I've never sort of had any kind of extremities, but yeah, it was certainly a a kind of bizarre thing to kind of get used to. I mean, obviously it's, it's, there's a buzz of excitement and it's very flattering to have someone come over and be an admirer of your work and particularly because it's also creative and stuff like that is so subjective, you know, you're either into it or you're not, or you can read it a few different ways and, so if, to have people of all ages and all all different backgrounds come over and kind of want to applaud that and, and just say hi is is an incredible feeling and it makes you kind of want to do more and and again I think you know not to just try and pigeonhole the mental health stuff into it but I think also that gives you a sense of gratification as well so I think like I said before Midnight Beast even you know I, I've, I've never I've always been in control of my emotions so I've never suffered but you know there was a, like I said a sort of sense of gratification and kind of knowing that you're doing something right and people are enjoying it so yeah but it's a, it's definitely i funny enough I was out the other day and I was talking to my wife and I just said "Can you imagine if and it wasn't just talking about myself but we were talking about reality tv stars and things like that and I just said could you imagine if we were just walking down the street and you you can't walk down the street you know that one direction kind of yeah thing, going for a meal and you just you can't get in or, you know, it must be horrible for those guys that have it on that extreme level.
1: So even like that, I don't know if you've heard of the Sidemen. Say that again, sorry. You ever heard of the Sidemen in KSI? Is that,
2: yeah, the KSI group. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, like I've, some of their videos, you have seen the amount of people that stop them when they're trying to record to go and say hello to them. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I couldn't even imagine having that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean... Funny enough, I'm actually I'm working on a, a shameful plug here, but um, I'm I'm working on a, a book at the moment. So just it kind of started up, I was kind of just going so with my wife because I was talking about my daughter, and I was like, "Isn't it weird that she's going to uncover this world about her dad in later years?"
0: Yeah,
2: I had this idea to kind of write a book, kind of talking about it and talking about the journey and just all the mental things. Because without being arrogant, you know, when you when I sort of list some of the stuff we've done, it's it's insane and I'm so grateful and fortunate. So it's kind of a way to show her that all of that stuff kind of happened. Um, and I was, I've was i got to a point where um, I was just writing about our first, not the Hadouken show, which was our first support show, but our kind of first own show. And it was part of the Great Escape Festival, which is the, the show in Brighton. And we were a kind of last minute edition um, and we kind of did the secret show. And we kind of announced that we were, um, we were playing. And we thought, you know, I like think 20, 30 people might show up. And genuinely about 2,000 kids stormed this little tiny pier that we were on in this little makeshift stage. And afterwards, they had to have security come down because it was such a small stage. There was no barriers. And they had to call in a favour and get security down and, and form a human barrier. And then when we, when we left the uh, stage at Seth's dad's car, and we were driving, and there were kids like running alongside the oh, running on. Along- wow, the most because that really was a moment where the, the the numbers on YouTube translated to kids in front of us because they were there solely to see us, which was amazing. So yeah, just what that was a a real kind of wow moment of like, yeah, I don't know, like I wouldn't I would never like to sort of say the this but you know there was that kind of notoriety where people were just desperate to kind of see yeah. us, and I was the car, and it really was a sort of Almost like Beatles, kind of you know, on a much smaller scale, like a mania moment. Quite bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it's funny
0: you say the Beatles. That's what I was thinking of. It's kind <laughs> of like the Beatles, isn't it? You know, yeah. When you see them in those clips coming off a plane and in in the US, it was ah, kind of screaming. But I mean, what what a moment for you and the band, though. I mean, to you know, to be you know, to have two thousand people unexpectedly turn up and then to have people running along side of the car. I mean, that must have felt. I don't know, wanting to say surreal, <laughs> really, but.
2: Completely really surreal, and just, you know, again, just that kind of rush of endorphins and that buzz of yeah. just, just like, oh, like this is actually a thing. I mean, we were fortunate by that point. We already knew that we were a beast and we were working on stuff, but it really cemented that this was bigger than, like I said earlier, you know, the three of us just dicked about and made that first video, not intending it for it to be anything. And we were like, oh, well, so we are a band then, I guess. Like, we've, actually, you know, we have that will come and see us. So yeah, it was
1: very surreal, very, very surreal. That's yeah, crazy. The first time I saw you guys was the Hadouken show. Um, and then also you did the secret gig at Boardmasters. I think I saw it. many years ago now. Um and that was re- very last minute, I think, as well. Cause I remember I got a message saying you guys were doing a secret show and then all of a sudden you know we were about to leave to go home and it said you guys were doing a show. I was like, Oh, I've got to say got to stay. Please let me stay. Oh uh I was, I went, and there was quite a few people at that show as well and then obviously I had the luck to kind of by chance meet you guys afterwards
2: <laughs> yeah same, that's so cool like i when, when you sent over the photos i genuinely totally remembered like i could picture it it was amazing yeah
1: yeah and it, like even though you were on your phone like you stopped and you had your photo taken with me and i was like so grateful that kind of that made my day like that was the first time i'd really met anyone that i was a big fan of and obviously i had a uh-huh the luck to kind of beat you guys a few times um yeah and like how, how do you kind of deal with people coming up to you and knowing you like for me you know, i'm not someone famous but like a uh, funny chance like i was on holiday obviously in australia but like this was before i'd even moved here i was on, ho- on holiday and went to the Barrier reef and these people thought i was famous and like they were asking me for photos i was like i'm not famous why are you guys like, like boy 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 photo photo i'm not famous but like after a while i was just like the amount of times i asked me i was getting annoyed like oh i'm not famous okay and then just asking (laughs) photos how do
2: you guys deal with like people knowing you and stuff um i think we just just kind of take it in its stride really and just as and as and when the situations happen like that we kind of just make a judgment call I, i think you know for Again, for kind of during the height of the Midnight Beast and when we were really kind of, I guess, viral online and stuff, we were just grateful to meet people that were were fans, really, and still are to this day. I think, you know, I think I'd, I'd perhaps draw the line if I was out with my daughter now and someone wanted to come over and I was, like, feeding her or something. I might sort of say, I'll say hello, but perhaps wouldn't want to have a picture if I'm holding my daughter yeah. or something. But we're always just so, so grateful. I mean, you know, people like yourself, Joe, and, you know, anyone that's ever listened to our our staff or, or bought a ticket or whatever you know that's that's the reason we ended up doing it for so long and it's the reason we've had a, a what up until now you know a 10 year plus career of, of doing the midnight beast and i just think for, for anyone however kind of small if if, if someone's got 10 followers or a hundred thousand followers like those people are supporting you so it's always important to show some love and kind of be grateful and obviously it does get to a point where sometimes if there is a big crowd or you know if you're fortunate to do a meet and greet or whatever it is then you know sometimes there's not enough hours in the day to kind of respond to everyone or to meet everyone so it is difficult I, again in the in the height of twitter i mean twitter's kind of kind of died a lot of social media but i remember when the cough and i was replying to a few people one time and then I, I started seeing messages of being like oh you've messaged everyone but me and it's like it's yeah. it's physically just you can't reply to everyone, but Yeah, no, I'm, like I said, genuinely just always, always grateful and flattered that someone would appreciate or enjoy what I do enough to come and say hello, really.
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's definitely something about the band and and your relationship with the fans, isn't there? That is like mutually kind of positively reinforcing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's easier being with the band? It, uh, c- compared to if you were solo? I mean, kind of getting the media attention, everything we've talked about today. I mean, uh, would that be more difficult if it was just you, Drew? Does it help having, you know, having the three of you? That's interesting. That's
2: a really good question. Yeah, I think it's, for me personally, it would be a lot difficult, more, more difficult if I was on my own. I think, you know, I weirdly, although I'm a, a performer, I you know, I can get quite shy and a bit anxious at the best of times. Um, you know I think even the first time we spoke um, on the previous recording you know I was I sort of had the jitters of kind of nerves and excitement just because it's sort of me and my own and it's very much reliant on my kind of thought and question so yeah I think anything like that whether it's press stuff or, or even fan stuff um the fact that I get to share that with not only two other people but two of my best friends um yeah is is amazing and it makes life so much easier and you know, we can help each other out and you know, even even sublimity, whether it's been picked up on or not, I, around the time of the TV show, obviously, you get to do kind of like press junkets and talk to people, and you know, we can because we know each other so well, you know, you, we can tell when the other person's maybe waffling or kind of running out of substance to say, yeah. so we can each other, and you know, sometimes all it takes is a little look to just be like, "Help, help me out here," mm-hmm. uh, so we can kind of support each other, and and again, you know, as in the subject of mental health, even. To just kind of bound together and help each other if we're feeling a bit low, or you know, um, just even creatively if we're kind of if we're kind of stuck, like the fact that there's three of us there to help out. And, and our songwriting sessions have always been happened in numerous ways. I mean, Stefan is the songwriting guru, and he's the kind of main powerhouse behind it. And then I'll help with production, and then Ste- um, Ash kind of jumps in and will help with lyrics and song ideas. And sometimes we do a version of all three of us, or just two of us. Um, so yeah even that kind of bounding together helps I think if if you're on your own you know even that is gonna have a have a toll massively I mean even when I'm making my own kind of music production because it is just me and you hit a creative blog you kind of haven't really got an outlet to kind of share that with sometimes so yeah it's definitely a lot easier having two of your best buds with you
1: yeah it definitely helps having someone to kind of but yeah I think I agree with you because like I've got Mark and I've never hosted a podcast before and then I had Mark on, who's the psychotherapist. <laughs> so having someone that knows their stuff is really helpful.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. It's just, it's just awesome as well. You can just bounce off them and, you know. Definitely. And also, two brains are always better than one. And, uh, you know, there might be something, for example, in the podcast, you might have Joe, and then Mark can kind of cover from a different angle. And it, yeah. You're bound to get the best sort of creative stuff out of it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just between Joe. I mean, Joe and I used to work together years ago. And so, yeah, it, it's nice having, yeah. I mean, we talk we talk almost every day, Joe, don't we? So yeah, yeah, it is nice doing it with one of your mates. I mean, it does make a big difference, doesn't it? And I guess there are some funny moments, Drew, right? When the three of you t- are together and you're, you know, you're whatever you're doing, you know, you do media or, or whatever. I mean, there must be some really, really funny moments where you're all looking at each other, you know, and oh. kind of laughing inside, right? But <laughs> yeah,
2: even just like innocent little things, you know, you know, when you just sometimes you just trip up on your own words or. I don't know, like my voice sometimes will just fucking break in the most, you know, fucking 30, My voice is still squeaking in random places. And sometimes we'll just rip on each other afterwards for, for days. Like, you know, but, but again, it's just all like just na- coming from knowing each other for so many years. And like mm-hmm. I said, so you know, they've got those little kind of anecdotes that they bring up. And and you know, we I mean obviously from, from midnight beach, we we share the same kind of interest in humor and comedy and music so you know bonding over that and stuff is like funny but like i love it when things go wrong and we can just like give each other a little look and kind of get this out of each other a bit it's it's always fun
0: yeah whereas i guess if you're on your own you don't have that you know if you're a solo performer something could be really funny i mean there's probably people around you aren't they but it's not the same as having two of your closest friends you know you can probably get the joke without even talking when you've known people that long, you're just on the same wavelength, aren't you? Yeah. I think that's the thing.
2: You're a solo artist on like uh, you know a, a superstar level, like you know Jason DeRulo or Bieber or something, like mm. isn't it? You're that solo act you just employ like your best mates to be around you, and then it, it kind of you know life oh. is so much easier. Yeah, I
0: just is is there anything is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about today, Drew, that you'd like to that you'd like to.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I don't know really. I mean, it, it depends how long you guys have got. It's one of those things. I think with through all the kind of highs and lows that we've spoken about with with the Midnight Beast in the kind of height of it, I guess it's quite an interesting thing to to talk about where we are now. I mean, obviously, mm. you know, we're kind of all in our thirties, and you know, we're all kind of like, I guess, like homeowners and stuff, and it, kind of got those kind of like adult responsibilities. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it'd be interesting to see where uh, it's difficult because the boys aren't here, but kind of like mentally, I know there's a lot of people. Sorry, I guess what I'm getting at is a lot of people kind of ask what Midnight Beast is doing now and like, you know, when are we going to come out with something? And it, I guess it's kind of open ended. Like, we don't really have an answer for it. I think the Midnight Beast has always been three best friends, right? So we're not an act and we're not a band that will just do your conventional splitting up like Midnight Beast has done. I think, so as long as the Friends, the midnight beast would always be a thing. Yeah. Um, but I think just kind of touching on that social pressure and stuff, you know, and with social media and things like that, it's like, you do we have the energy and the time now to kind of chase those type of numbers that perhaps expected from us to make? You know, we've we've been really fortunate that a lot of our videos went over a million views, right? But there's also a bunch on there that didn't make that, and it does get sort of. I mean, you look at our subscriber account. Again, not I'm not kind of shitting on the fact that we have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. It, it blows my mind to this day. A lot of YouTubers, for example, now should have surpassed that and would be on millions and millions of subscribers, and that's why they're doing huge things. So it's quite interesting to try and... If, I think my headspace kind of does go a bit funny when I think about what's kind of expected of the band now. You know, if we were to put out an album or if we were to do just a random YouTube video now, you know, is there still the same pool there in the same reach? And like, if it if we did put up a video, we'd always be doing it for the love of what we want to do. But naturally, you're trying to capture that same moment. So if it kind of flopped, um, and I use the quotations there, because, you know, for me, if a video has 10 views, there's still 10 people that have watched it. But mm. it kind of ties in with that expectation of, at least has now, you know, should we be getting more than that and if we didn't do we feel deflated do we feel bummed out like oh is it worth doing more and, you know all of those conversations you know it would, would be quite interesting for, for everything that we kind of had the opportunities of doing versus now and, and, it, and also kind of not, not to waffle on sorry feel free to shut no, me no, up no,
0: it's okay. oh,
2: uh, from a monetary perspective you know I can handle my heart say that we didn't do anything just to get the monetary gain obviously it's always beneficial when you've got bills that but you know when you get to a certain age and like I said you know I'm fortunate enough to to have a mortgage and have a house um but stuff that needs to be paid for you know I have a, I have a daughter now I have a dependent and things like that and you know it's sort of like things now need to be thought about and strategized and you know we're not we don't have a management anymore we were never living we were never with a record label um so you kind of got to think about those things. You've got to find your own sort of job opportunities. And then it becomes, are you making the content for the money or are you making the content make content? And I know that's something I certainly kind of battle with. And and I'm not saying that like with having offers left, right and centre, but it's it's one of those things where if we wrote a script or if we wrote an idea, or if we wrote an album, you know, I personally, I don't want to speak for Stephen Ash, but I don't have the, the time now to just kind of give up weeks here willy-nilly without bringing any income or anything like that. So it's um yeah, I guess that that kind of makes the the mind go a little bit more than perhaps it would have done eight or nine years ago.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. A lot harder now.
1: Like you have yeah. to have clickbait and stuff and have certain the way it works. And I hear a lot of YouTubers talk about it because I years ago, like maybe two or three years ago, I really wanted to do YouTube and take it off, but I never really had the idea of what I wanted to do to do so obviously I do the podcast now and I do filmmaking we really want the podcast to take off and we were struggling on YouTube to get like I think most views we would never get was like maybe 300 400 but mm. obviously that that doesn't get an income or anything you have to have over a thousand views and have over a certain amount of subscribers so moving on to Spotify was a big change and it's getting in a lot more listeners which has been really beneficial for us and having you on and having the people we've had on so far has been really like good for us it's just so difficult to kind of go in the right direction with projects with on youtube and yeah stuff like that i
2: think as well as like when you're when you're up against big companies and algorithms and and you know companies that spend on advertising like it is difficult you know i I always again i've Referring to the book I'm writing, I I wrote a sentence saying that you know I I firmly believe we were in the golden age of YouTube, and I don't think with all the greatest will and creative minds, I don't think we could ever really recapture what we did in those early years because everything was organic and it was, you know, you had people had gone viral on YouTube before. I'm not trying to say that we were the first to do it, but I think we were an early, we were in that early group, that early kind of category of people that did get to go viral, and. Yeah, as I said, I think with all the will in the world, I don't think you could really recapture that without spending money or doing a doing a kind of advertisement, having a brand on board and stuff like that. I mean, people do by accident, of course they do. It's it's not impossible, but yeah, I think it's so much harder to kind of like, like you said, you know, with 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 the podcast and things like that. You know, you're you're trying to get something, but it's such a crowded market. It's so saturated now, and yeah, just. yeah, it can have you can leave you with the taste of like what's the point, and it, which is a shame because you know th- there's so many great creative things out there. But when you're wrestling against people that you know have already got all of those kind of hits and things like that, or you know, a company that's spending X amount of money and has a, got a back pocket with Facebook or whatever it might be, it's 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 extremely difficult and frustrating,
1: yeah. Because you guys are kind of lucky you went you were viral before like Sidemen and KSI and all that, but you kind of it was a yeah early oh, i'm trying to think when it would have been now it would have been maybe like 10 years ago maybe yeah when you guys started and like a few years after that i think and then it kind of was really difficult to get into like yeah you needed to do content that people were going to listen to even like i hear people at like sidemen say that it's so hard to produce content that they know it's going to do well and they're more about doing stuff for their fans now they're not as worried about because they've made the money they've made yeah they're not as worried about views as much as they would be before
2: i think that's a really key thing there though as well it's like you you then start guessing the kind of content you're making you know midnight beast has always been about taking the piss and being satirical and tongue-in-cheek and things like that and obviously you know we're, we're pretty sweary and i've got some kind of like out there lyrics and stuff like that but that doesn't sit well with you know sometimes youtube algorithms and things like that and yeah. you know that that can have such an impact on you creatively because then you're just like you know we had we've had in the past like whole idea for the songs you know even made like music for it and then completely scrapped it because we then start second guessing things or you know in the early days like the inhibition it was, it's just t- totally gone and you start kind of really worrying about how it's perceived and things like that and you know kind of that is it creatively i think which which kind of sucks
1: well, as a song you've got a song called Clipbait, and it kind of says it always kind of how you get abused like you said in your song Clipbait. you've got to have thumbnails and stuff that will get people in
2: yeah it's why it's a, it's a topic but it's kind of why for many reasons i hate the the, the paul brothers you know the logo and what's his face jake jake yeah uh, I, I can't stand them. I, I think they're awful human beings. Like, you know, the whole questioning whether he, he was really colorblind, like that clickbait, which we actually took the piss out of in our, in yeah. our sort clickbait. The whole fucking film in that, um,
1: that unfortunate by, person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, it's all fucking clickbait. And the problem is, and it ties back to what we were saying with the whole media hype, is it's just headlines, but you're just adding fuel to the fucking fire. And yeah. I get it there of course there's a story there but you know unfortunately ourselves like that then just get huge off of it and i, I guess don't really think about the repercussions and it's like I, it still blows my mind that that man filmed the dead body like that's someone ever and he's now fucking boxing for millions or whatever like i'm yeah. not saying he should he shouldn't be allowed to box or you know not nothing drastic but it just blows my mind that that happened and we were kind of go oh yeah
1: yeah no, it's ridiculous like and they weren't like he's not wasn't majorly that famous over here or over in the uk mm-hmm. that big at that time he was one of the biggest ones in america that that was because of disney and stuff like that but yeah the fact they just brushed it aside if he'd been someone else maybe someone like uh like maybe ksi or someone had done something like that they would have been cancelled it wouldn't have been out the window absolutely yeah um i'd love to like chat for ages and we we'll don't want to keep you guys keep you on for ages but um yeah we're probably gonna have to wrap up and just want to say a massive yeah. thank you for coming on and um best of luck with everything and
0: we really do appreciate you coming on yeah oh, thanks man. thanks for coming on joe it's been really good
2: well, yeah thanks so much joe like both of you it's, it's been really awesome to kind of talk about it all and and like i said like what you guys are kind of doing and raising awareness and just kind of you know having that kind of voice to kind of talk about things I think is wicked. So yeah like keep doing what you're doing and I'm flattered to have been asked to come on. So if you ever want me back at a later date oh, I'll definitely. be more than happy. Yeah thank you
0: really thank appreciate so me
1: yeah, One thing you forgot to add is also your music's helped me a lot as well when I've had down times and okay. thank you for the music you've made. Um and awesome. I want to say thank you to Mark for joining and obviously helping me co-host again. And, no problem. Good to see um, you. We'll share your YouTube channel and your socials and stuff on our social media pages after the episode, and I'll send the episode through when it's done.
2: Awesome. Thanks very much. Looking forward very to it. Thank much for
0: joining us. Okay. Have a good Sunday, <laughs> Yeah.
2: Take care.
1: Cheers. Bye. Bye. If you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode or previous episodes, please contact your local or country's helpline. You will find them by going to Google and typing in helpline. Um, They have Samaritan's suicide helpline, but remember that you're not alone, as the title of the podcast says. And there are many other people like you that have got mental health issues and feel suicidal and feel alone. But there's always someone there for you to talk to, be it a friend, a family member, a stranger, a psychotherapist or a doctor. There's someone to talk to. I've been in that position before. And talking to someone really does help. It's okay to not be okay, And I will see you in the next episode. If you're interested in being a guest in any future episodes, um, please contact me via multimedia at gmail.com or contact me on Facebook. Um, we are doing an episode on suicide, men uh, and mental health, and then we're doing one on empaths. If there's any topics you'd like to be covered, please let me know also at the email, as I mentioned before. Um, thanks again to those that have tuned in and made the pop, the podcast as popular as it is.